Friday Rush, Tyler McComas, Travis Davidson. A happy Bobby Bonilla Day to all of you. Bobby Bonilla, as he does, well, as he's had for the past 12 years, gets his 12th installment of $1.1 million today from the New York Mets. The Mets have so far paid him $14.3 million to not play uh, the 2000 season. There is 13 years left of Bobby Bonilla's contract with the New York Mets. That means there's $15.5 million the New York Mets will still have to pay him over the course of 13 years. Uh, there have been no discussions to buy him out early either, so Bobby Bonilla Day is probably going to continue on for another 13 years. That man is one brilliant man, uh, Travis, because he hasn't played baseball in a very, very long time. He still gets to collect $1.1 million every July 1st from the New York Mets. I cannot imagine a better July 4th weekend than knowing that, yeah, the Mets are just going to pay me $1.1 million because they have to and they don't have a choice. Yeah, he basically took the um, the installment option after he won the lottery. We can... We can say, you know, getting that big sports contract is sometimes similar to winning the lottery, a lot of, especially a lot of cash if there's into a signing bonus or anything like that. He's like, because I think we all see those signs and we're like, oh man, $50 million. What would I do with that? Oh, Bobby Bonilla was smart. He said, you know what? Give me the installments. I'm going to make a million dollars a year until, until I don't know what to do with it. Smart, smart guy, smart stuff. Yeah. Smart agent. Smart, smart agents. I think I would have some fun if I were a if I were a GM. I'd be heavily incentive laden contracts and long contracts, things like that. I think it would be a blast. I mean, salary cap isn't real anyways, so uh, I think I could get creative. Text line says, if you're the SEC and you really want Notre Dame, would you tell them you'd also be willing to bring in Miami and Stanford to sweeten the pot? You're going to have to explain that one a little bit further, uh, text line, because I, I know Notre Dame and Stanford, what they play every year, right? There's some sort of a rivalry there, but I don't feel like Notre Dame really cares to keep its rivalry with Stanford intact. Um, and Notre Dame fans hate the University of Miami. So I, I guess my answer to that would be no. I, I, I mean, you would try to entice Notre Dame, no doubt, but I don't think that you would do so by telling them that you'd also bring in Miami and Stanford. Yeah, I also think Stanford would be pretty far down the list um, in your best available programs to add. Um, I mean, personally, uh, I, I know it's, I know they've got you know massive endowment. And they've got you know a lot of great things. I got Patrick Fields going for them, which is always a feather in your cap if you're looking in conference realignment. Um, but if you're gonna add something out on the West Coast, I don't think Stanford's gonna be your number one option. I, I get what they're getting at, but I, I don't think they're. Uh, taking that into consideration because I don't think Notre Dame takes that into consideration. No. And you're not just going to add one team out on the West Coast just to entice Notre Dame. Or, or just add, like Stanford does nothing for you, really. Um, so you're not just going to add you know, add yeah. Stanford and make everyone go out to Palo Alto and make Stanford you know, travel three time zones away to play every single football game. I don't, I don't think that's going to happen. But on that topic, though, um, there's an article on 24-7 Sports today. It's the powerhouse programs who will determine the next phase of realignment. And so let's go through each of these, and the first name listed is Notre Dame. 
of course, Notre Dame is going to be one of the powerhouse programs to decide the next move. But are they the ultimate powerhouse uh, program that's left in what will be the continuing reshaping of college football? Is Notre Dame the most powerful entity that's left out there? I feel like it's got to be. Um, I mean, we'll see how their TV deals go out with NBC and everything like that, but it's simply it's simply got to be, right? I mean, that's what – I'd be sitting back right now and I'd be listening to offers if I were them from the SEC and from the Big Ten. It sounds like it's being reported that they are listening to offers from the Big Ten right now. Um, I would be shocked if, if they turn that down and, and intend to remain independent. What, what do you think? Do you think they? Do you think it's yeah. still on the table for them to remain independent? I, I think that they have the luxury of time right now. I, I do think that time is on their side. I don't think time is on the side of Oregon and Washington. I think that they have to act very quick. But is there more money to be made for Notre Dame potentially? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I, I'm sure within the Big Ten or the SEC. I mean, they're going to have to fold the current deal that they have. But Notre Dame's not going broke anytime soon if they join, don't join a conference. I almost feel like um, Notre Dame can really sit back and really evaluate what the best option on the table is for that program. Again, I don't think a lot of other programs have that luxury, man. But I think Notre Dame can sit back, maybe see how everything shapes up, because they're always going to be the highest value commodity, whether it's the Big Ten or the SEC. And no matter how big this thing gets – Everyone, to me, is always going to be willing to make room for Notre Dame. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree with that. I, I think we should call it like it is, though. I think we should stop referring to the SEC and the and the Big Ten as the SEC and the Big Ten, and I think we should just call it ESPN's conference and Fox's conference because that's, <laughs> Seriously, that, that feels like what, what's really happening here, right? And if you're Fox, what do you do, right? Because... You know, Fox owns a lot of the Big Ten network. Obviously, they've got, you know, their big noon kickoff and everything like that. Well, they've got, you know, Pac-12 and they've got Big 12. But with those, really, the 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 power, the TV power, the eyeballs that those conferences are bringing now, it's not really that much. So, I mean, do they kind of move and kind of pivot solely to the Big Ten and try and just dump as much money into that as possible? Because... I mean, their their biggest stars of the Big 12, OU and Texas, are now off to SEC, and then their biggest stars in the Pac-12 are now go- going into a different part of their backyard, if you will, um, in the Big 10. I think Fox has a lot of decisions coming up, and they can totally turn this thing on its head because I think ESPN is pretty much comfortable with, you know what, we've got the SEC you know, and, and, and we've got we've got the, one of the next conferences, the big, you know, if we go down to a big two conferences, we've got one of them secured and probably the most powerful yeah. one if we're looking at who's been, you know, the most successful over the last, you know, two decades. So if you're Fox, I think that's who has the most uh, kind of the decisions that need to be made. But this is not Big Ten versus SEC anymore. This is Fox versus ESPN. The next team on the list, and I think that they may be, they're definitely one of the most fascinating, but Florida State is in an intriguing spot. And and it's just funny, Travis, how for some of these teams, it's all about timing. The timing of conference realignment, how everything is shifted with college football, couldn't have worked out better for Clemson. Everyone wants Clemson right now. Would everyone have wanted Clemson 15 years ago? 
Probably not, but they've rolled off a no. couple national championships here recently, so everyone wants that brand. Florida State's interesting because Florida State, it's a great football program, but it's fallen on hard times. If this was the mid-90s, if this was the late 90s, if this was the early 2000s, if this was 2014-2015, Florida State would be viewed much like Clemson is right now. So you still want to add Florida State. There's a lot of value there. I almost feel like, man, I don't know about you, Florida State's going to be okay at the end, and I think realistically they probably fold into the SEC. I feel like Florida State and Miami, at least to me, kind of seem like package deals here. Yeah, and, and I don't think if, if you want to even have a touch of, you know, regionalism and, you know, ge- just some geographical, you know, sensibilities, you're going to have those Florida schools fold into the SEC at some point, right? I mean, it, it does not make any sense, and if we're still operating under the kind of the two big conferences, it doesn't make any sense that they would go anywhere but the SEC. They're not, they're not going to have one satellite area, you know, on the peninsula, uh, that goes up to the Big Ten. That wouldn't necessarily make any sense. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's pretty obvious. And, and I think you're right. Florida State, you know, they've been on hard times lately. Uh, but, you know, they were they were a big deal, uh, especially under Bowden. So you do that, and then you've got Miami's run in the 80s, and you've got a little bit in the, two, the early 2000s. I mean, you've got teams that have made some runs, and now Miami is making the investments into the football program with the Ruiz family that they haven't before. You're seeing that along the NIL trail. You're seeing it uh, just in, in hiring and staffing and things like that. It looks like they're ready to take take football seriously again. So with that moving forward, I, I think you can make arguments for each school, so it makes sense to me that they would be a package. Yeah. The next school that's listed is interesting. First Big 12 school, really the only Big 12 school that's mentioned in this article, it's the Kansas Jayhawks. And it says, bet you didn't expect to see Kansas here, right? Well, the Big 12 is far from on stable ground, even with its planned expansion to um, 12 teams. I heard the Kansas administration at least discussed its options outside of the Big 12 last year. Given the upcoming power status of the Big Ten, it makes sense for a team like Kansas, which brings value as a basketball brand, to think about a move. Or perhaps Kansas takes a long glance at the ACC to join other basketball powerhouses. The Big 12 is far from secure. It needs to watch its northern flank amongst uh, other places. What's the future of KU look like? Because I... I don't think that they necessarily, at least right now, have the Big Ten as an option, but what's their next move? I I think if you're in the Big 12 or really uh, even the Pac-12, I don't think it makes sense to go anywhere except the Big Ten or the SEC. I think you can look at the ACC and say, hey, we could go there for basketball, but by the time you move in, you might be moving into Clemson's old room or something like that, or Clemson or Miami or Florida State. You know, those teams might be on their way out. So all of a sudden you get there, and it's like, oh, no, uh, we were coming here, but it looks like this conference is on as on shaky ground as the Big 12 was. So I think they make a lot of sense in the Big 10. I think what will be interesting to watch is, are they the first Big 12 school of the new Big 12 to kind of look out for themselves and, and get on that lifeboat? Because there's going to be some school that is the first of the new Big 12 to make the move. Is it them? Is it Oklahoma sure. State? You know, it, it, or does the Big 12 look and say, hey, guys, you all stand pat because we're going to go after some of the 
Pac-12 teams because I know a lot of people would love to see Colorado back in that conference. Um, so I, I think it's either that. It's either the, the Big 12, the new Big 12 commissioner says, hey, look, you guys stand pat. We are going to bring in more teams, and we're going to be aggressive. We're not going to die on the vine, this, that, and the other. Or the schools are going to kind of look around and, you know, say, uh, there's no future here. So the quicker we can get out, the quicker we can reserve our spot on that lifeboat. And I think Kansas is a great candidate to be that first school to defect uh, after the OU Texas move. Yeah, they, they would they would run to the Big Ten offices. I think, what are they, in Indianapolis, I want to say? Is that where they're at? Yeah. Uh, KU yep. would run to the Big Ten offices to go join that conference. I mean, the ACC, what, it doesn't have a great media deal, right? I just it, It's a basketball conference, sure. It's to like 2035, I just don't know I if you want to run. Yeah, it is. Media um, and, and that's kind of the issue. And like a, it's like a hundred million dollars. It's, it's twenty two. Okay, yeah, the ACC grant of rights is through twenty thirty six, and you're right with that. So, Clemson would have to rework some things. Um, Florida State, Miami, but there may be too much money to be made in the SEC or elsewhere uh, to to not play. To, I don't know, maybe to to not figure out a way to pay that. Text line says, I haven't heard much about North Carolina. Where would they land? They can't be left behind with that basketball brand. I think that's true. Like, North Carolina is at least respectable in college football. Now, I think last year they were a preseason top 20 team. They didn't live up to those expectations. I think they ended up being a 6-7 a and seven team at the end of the year. But in terms of, like, the basketball schools that are available – I don't even really think it's close. I think North Carolina is way more valuable to someone than Kansas. I think North Carolina is more valuable than Duke. Um, North Carolina, to me, makes a lot of sense in the SEC, and that's why when you asked me if I had to add four schools to the SEC, I said, let's roll with Clemson, let's roll with North Carolina, Miami, and Florida State. I, I do think that there's some real add with UNC. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I do think, as I said earlier, in basketball, you can schedule more games. Like, you can still keep that Duke game on the schedule and ha- have no problems with it. You can maintain that rivalry. It's a lot tougher to maintain interconference rivalries um, once you get over to football. You know, so I do think I do think there's an opportunity where I think we all agree, especially after this College World Series, that the second most popular sport in the SEC is baseball. I mean, obviously, you've got Kentucky, but other than that, I think you can look at pretty much every baseball program in the SEC and say, okay, this is this is bigger than basketball. But then when you look to the Big Ten, it seems pretty clear that while football is king, you've got a lot of great basketball programs there. I wonder if that becomes kind of any deciding factor in that, whereas the, the Big Ten becomes the, you know, unofficial basketball, you know, conference whereas, you know, the the SEC becomes the kind of baseball-football conference. Sure. Yeah, let me read one more. Peyton says, I have heard someone mention the next couple of years are massive for Clemson because if they take a step back and go 10-2 and this year and 9-3 and the year after or even 10-2 and again, they suddenly don't seem like such an attractive option. I mentioned that to you last hour, and the more that I've thought about it, I do think that there's some truth to that. But even at 9-3, and three, I think that we've seen the potential of what Clemson can be. And the true potential of what Clemson can be 
is the second best or threatening to be the best program in the sport, there's a chance that they yeah. go 9-3 and three this year with DJ Uyungale back at quarterback, the offensive line that's shaky. But I don't think ultimately this year is going to decide how valuable Clemson has looked at because we've seen the peak, man. We've seen the peak. And the thought will be if you put them in the SEC, maybe they can get back to that peak. Clemson, I, I think, Clemson will still be a valued commodity even, regardless of what happens this season. What, what's funny to me is you can tell that we – are on uh, KREF, the uh, home of Sooner fans, because when people talk about a step back, they talk about a 10-win season. You know Miami has had one 10-win season since joining the ACC? That's one 10-win yeah. season in the last 18 years. I mean, that's 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 so funny because it's, hey, Clemson takes a step back, maybe they win 10 games. I'm like, man, 10 games, you know, 10 games is a pretty good season for a lot of programs. A lot of programs would, would – uh, you know, sell their souls for a season like that. I know Texas would at times, that's for sure. USC would at times, that's for sure. Miami definitely would. So, I don't know, I just, that that's kind of funny. I, obviously, we talked about, you know, this is such a big year for Clemson. These next couple of years are big years for Clemson because we got to find out, was was Brent Venables holding that uh, program together? Was Thad Turnipseed holding that program together? Because, I mean, Thad Turnipseed, you look at him, he was at Bama, you know, has been credited by a lot of smart people, uh, as being a huge cog in that system of getting getting Saban's you know program built into what it is today, and then he goes off to Clemson. All of a sudden, they start winning national titles. Well, you know, Brent Venables is at Oklahoma. He's going to national titles, winning national titles, and winning a national title, and then off to Clemson does the same thing. So when you look at you know the 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 common denominators of Clemson, I don't know when those two are gone. I don't know. We'll, we'll see what they are. But right now, it's just good timing for them. They happen to be coming off one of the more dominant runs that we've seen uh, in kind of the modern era, if we're being honest. And this happens to be when realignment's happening. So, so good for them. Interesting point by Gunny before we hit, the bre- hit a break. If the SEC adds Duke in North Carolina, they will be top dog in every sport's Plus Clemson and Florida State. Okay, yeah. So if they're already the they're already the top dog in football, you cannot argue that. Uh, they're the top in baseball, you cannot argue that. Mm-hmm. They probably are the best in softball, even without Oklahoma in that conference. But certainly, when OU rolls to the SEC, the SEC will be the best conference. And then in basketball, you would have three blue bloods in your conference if you were to add both Duke and North Carolina. Duke, North Carolina, and Kentucky. Now, I know it's been a while since Kentucky's won a national championship, but they're routine top five to start the year. Right. Plus, you got Florida, who's a good program. Bama's been on the come up. Arkansas's had a couple good years here recently. It's an interesting point. Yeah, I, I think the SEC could lay claim to best in every single sport if you were to add Duke and North Carolina. Yeah, no, it's a great point, and... Again, we kind of talked about you can split North Carolina and Duke if you need to, but you don't have to. It, it would be interesting to be a fly on the wall. You know, I was able to talk to Greg Sankey a little bit when I was up in Omaha, and I just lucked out. I happened to be in, in the press box at the same time. He was kind of getting him up from an interview, and I was walking down the hallway, and uh, he was expressing his, you know, excitement about Oklahoma and Texas joining the conference and just about across all sports. He said, look what, look what the two schools have done 
you know, just in this in this 2022 year. I mean, with all of our successes with softball, baseball, this was before Texas even got eliminated. This was earlier in the in the in the World Series. So he's like, you know, we've got these teams here. We've got, uh, you know, track with Texas and OU. We sent 20 people to nationals. You've got, you know, golf. You know, you've got women's tennis. You've got we've competed with Texas for so many national titles just in the last six months that he was over the moon. Well, now, I mean, he's, he's on top of the world. Now he's saying, well, who else do I want to bring on? I already, I already got two of the top schools in the country as far as athletic departments and brands go. Now, I mean, Sankey's living his best life right now. You know that guy hasn't wiped a smile yeah. off his face since he got the job. He looks like the smartest commissioner out there, man. There's, there's, uh, it's hard to argue. 405-651-3439 is the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Friday Rush rolls on next right here on The Ref. Friday Rush, live on The Ref, Tyler McComas, Travis Davidson. Keep those texts coming, 405-651-3439 on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Hey, if you don't have 4th of July plans, I got you. Don't even worry about it. Come out to the Westwood Family Aquatic Center in Norman. That's during the day. They're going to host a red, white, and blue swim to keep you cool. Uh, That's from noon to 6 p.m., all right? 1017 Fairway Drive. The cost is $7, or if you're a season pass holder, it's absolutely free. Children under three get in as well. Family-friendly games every single hour, other exciting amenities. Uh, It's going to be a really fun afternoon at the Westwood Family Aquatic Center. Then you go to Reeves Park in Norman. They're going to have the uh, biggest fireworks show in the state, and you can also listen to the choreographed fireworks show on the radio. So, Watch the fireworks show, then tune to 106.3 FM in Norman starting at 7 p.m. You can hear bands and the fireworks show that goes off right before 10 p.m. It's choreographed. It's pretty cool, right? So your entire day, stay right here in Norman, Westwood Family Aquatic Center, and, of course, at Reeves Park uh, for the fireworks show later that evening. Travis Davidson, what is going on at Ash Cigar Bar in Tulsa? Well, we've got uh, the $3 domestic drafts. That's all day, every day. Um, I'm looking at, the, at a back bar that uh, includes Weller 12, uh, some Eagle Rare, some fine whiskeys for this afternoon, uh, nice uh, cigar selection off to my right, and very comfortable seating. Uh, I, I, I keep saying I need to switch out my chair with one of these nice big plush leather chairs, but I don't want to take a nap on air. I don't think I, I don't think that's good for anybody. So, uh, But, yeah, just – just kicking it out here, kicking off our holiday weekend, and uh, having a blast doing it. Text line says, regarding the UCLA-USC move, I so want to believe that TBOW got mule-shoed and was blindsided by the move. Well, your wish is granted because the guy who broke the story yesterday that UCLA and USC were going to the Big Ten, confirmed today that Lincoln Riley had no idea that this move was happening. So I know that that makes everyone laugh. I know that that makes everyone happy. Are you buying, Travis, that Lincoln Riley had no idea this was being announced yesterday? Oh, of course I'm buying it, not only because it was confirmed by the by the person who broke the story, but he never would have agreed to go out there if he knew that he was going to be thrown directly into a conference of cold weather, of going to you know Ohio State, and Michigan, and Penn State, and uh, Michigan State on the come up, and all this, he wouldn't have. He just would have probably stayed put, or he would have gone over to the SEC. Uh, but there is no way he signed up. He signed up for a direct path to the uh, to the College Football Playoff, 
and now he doesn't have it. Because let's be honest, they're not going to be ready to compete for a national title for a couple years, if at all. And now, a couple years from now, they'll be in the Big Ten, so they'll be even less likely to make a, you know, a championship run. So the timing couldn't be worse for a guy that's trying to you know, rebuild the program that is the, the proud USC. I mean, it, the timing couldn't be worse. So there's no way he knew that this was happening or he wouldn't have gone. Yeah. We've been talking about this move and all the developments, and we'll keep you updated as the show rolls on. We'll be talking about it really until 6 p.m. tonight. I, but we do plan to talk a little college football and what's going to happen this upcoming year. I, I did also want to get your thoughts on, um, on, on of course, uh, Jackson Arnold, the Elite 11 MVP yesterday. So he's a five-star, but he's also, I think, the number six-ranked quarterback in the 27, uh, 24-7 sports quarterback rankings. Will a performance like this this week, Travis, do you think there's a chance that Jackson Arnold is elevated to a top-four quarterback in the 2023 class or even potentially a top-three quarterback in this upcoming recruiting class? Oh, absolutely. Uh, I, I think what's interesting about these rankings, right, and, you know, hats off to those people that actually go out and do these rankings. It's got to be one of the tougher jobs because you've got a bunch of fanatical college football people that are always barking down, what, that guy isn't a three-star, that's a four-star, that's the best player I've ever seen. You know, that guy's no better than that guy. I've got, you know, this, that, or the other. I mean, they, they've constantly, you know, come under scrutiny. Not, not everybody ever agrees on rankings. So they've already got a tough job. But then they've got to go and watch somebody play in Georgia, and then you know they've got to take a guy's opinion of a guy that plays in Texas. And with these elite 11s, even seven on seven, they're going against each other. But they have different wide receivers. They have you know different coaches. They have all this kind of stuff. It's really hard to compare them, even when they're at the seven on seven tournaments. But when you get them at elite 11, you can sit there and say, okay, we're going to get these guys in competitions against each other head-to-head, they're all dealing with the same receivers, they're all going through the same coaching, they're all doing this, and we can really dial in, uh, you know, our evaluations of these guys. And Jackson Arnold just he went out there and balled out. He went out there and won MVP. And, you know, a couple people were missing, most notably Arch Manning. Hmm. Now, going into, the, going into Elite 11, Steve Wilfong was quoted in saying that, Jackson Arnold is among, you know, a small group of guys here that could propel themselves into that top overall player discussion. Now, that that sentence, that quote has has a couple different uh, a couple different things we've got to break down, right? So if he says that somebody else is in consideration for the top overall player, but their current overall player is a perfect rating 1.0000 that means that some, in order for somebody to be above that and take over the top overall spot, it means Arch would have to drop because there's nothing yeah. better than a perfect rating, right? So that's what's interesting to me because in saying that somebody else is in the conversation for top overall player, then he is, he is essentially saying that Arch has the possibility of dropping. And you start to wonder if the Manning royalty has made it just – not worth it to drop arch it's not worth the controversy to to annoy you know football's first family if you will um maybe they don't want those problems but you've got to eventually ask yourself you know why 
Why doesn't he go to Elite 11? Why doesn't he play on seven on sevens? Why doesn't he go to all these camps? The only camp that he goes to is the Manning camp, and he didn't even throw there. Why yeah. does this man refuse to throw against his peers? And, of course, the Texas fans will say, well, he's got the best quarterback coaches possible. He's got Eli and he's got Peyton. They're Hall of Famers. Why would he ever go to a camp? Well, those guys have quarterback coaches. They didn't just, they didn't just you know, just sit around the backyard and teach themselves or learn from Archie. I mean, they, they had quarterback coaches. They had people, to, you know, working on their stuff. And, and there's no way, knowing what, you know, we, we think we know about, you know, Peyton Manning and Eli, that they're like, yep, we're the best quarterback coaches that there are. He has nothing to gain from these at all. I, th- I think they're hiding him. I think they are worried that he's going to get exposed because he has never thrown against his peers. You know who he's thrown against? 2A Division Eleven, like, they look like seventh graders. That's who he's thrown against. And he looks like a god amongst men out there because he's, what, 6'4", 215, and he's going against guys that look like seventh graders. He's got, there's 90 people in his class. It's $27,000 a year to go there. I mean, it's, they're just scared to, to bring him out and have him throw against his peers. Instead, Jackson Arnold goes out there and puts on an absolute show and, I mean, you saw him on with Josh Pate saying he's a massive fan of Jackson Arnold. Uh, you know, he's saying, obviously, to Oklahoma fans, there's no place I'd rather be. I'm so excited. I'm extremely active on the recruiting trail. Uh, and he is. He said that the morning of Elite 11, before he's going out, he's texting recruits uh, saying, hey, man, Oklahoma's the place to be. You, get, you know, really believe in what we're doing out here. I mean, Jackson Arnold, Oklahoma really could not have had a better day yesterday, if we're being 100% honest. We get Sammy Omosigo uh, committing, the four-star linebacker. Um, we get, you know, the Elite 11 MVP. We get to make fun of, you know, Mule Shoe because if he got yeah. blindsided, now he's off to the Big Ten. But but there's a lot there's a lot to be said in that Steve Wilfong quote of Jackson Arnold is up for the top overall player. And if he says that before Elite 11 and then Jackson Arnold just goes out there and wins MVP of the Elite 11, then you would have to assume that he's going to get a bump, a big bump, in the next rankings. Yeah, I, I would think so as well. I, I'd be pretty surprised if he's not at least one of the top four quarterbacks that's ranked on that list. And I think there's a real chance that he's number three behind Arch, uh, behind Malachi Nelson. I, look, I, you know, I wasn't out there. I mean, clearly he was the MVP, but obviously you have a you have an excuse and a reason to rank him in front of Malachi Nelson. I don't think that that's going to happen, but. You know, Jackson Arnold put himself in a great situation to be one of the top three quarterbacks uh, in this 2023 class. All right, we'll take a break. Travis is at Ashtagar Bar in Tulsa. I am at the Westwood Golf Course in Norman. Keep it locked right here on The Ref. More to come on the Homeless Sooner fans. Cavens Construction bringing you hour number two of the rush. CavensConstruction.com. Happy 4th to everyone out there. We are off the air on Monday and Tuesday. We'll be back with you on Wednesday. So hope you got a three-day weekend. Hope you got a four-day weekend. Hope you got all next week off. Regardless, uh, tune in to us. Uh, we'll be back on the air Wednesday starting at 6 a.m. Please tell me, please, please, please tell me that you saw the A&M coach say what he said uh, at Kyle Field yesterday to those recruits, basically saying that, yes, we do indeed pay players for a recruiting class. Oh, man, it was – have we have we checked on that coach? Is is that guy – is he still on staff? Is he taking a 
a leave of absence um, to deal with some personal issues or anything like that because if there's one thing you cannot do after you get up on your chair and hoot and holler and pound your chest about how it's a disservice to our coaches and our recruiting staff that you would even suggest that we are using NIL to buy our players. It, it is a it is offensive and disrespectful to them. And then the one thing you cannot do at that point is get caught on video talking to recruits about, hey, you know, up in those suites, those people are going to give you a lot of money, pay you a lot of money if you, uh, if you come, you know, decide to play football here. You cannot do that if you're Texas A&M. Now, will anything happen to them? Probably not because, you know, the NCAA has no teeth at all. But, man, that is, that is video evidence right there. Yeah, um, which it's odd, right? Because it didn't end up being that big of a story yet. I mean, it was a big story, and then UCLA-USC happens, and then it's just kind of a, you know, a side note, whatever. You know, A&M broke the news about OU and Texas rolling to the SEC. Is there a chance that A&M broke the news on UCLA and USC going to the Big Ten because of that story that leaked out yesterday that we're mentioning? Huh? It, 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 it was wildly convenient that <laughs> a video surfaces of them like getting caught cheating and the biggest news in college football happens to drop very shortly after. I mean, that is just talk about i guess they living good apparently because that is some good luck right there that that story got buried so far i i put out yesterday a tweet kind of recapping what the day you know had done like it was just it was a wild news day right i mean you had samuel Masigo committing you had kevin durant requesting a trade officially after Kyrie opted in and Kyrie was saying no i'm gonna stick with kevin durant and then kevin durant's like yeah well uh, i'm not gonna be here he pulled the old magic johnson quote um and like all that and people were messaging like whoa wait what happened with a&m wait what what happened with a&m i mean it got buried so quickly so yeah i, I wouldn't be shocked i think you might be onto something that a&m might have uh, might have said hey hey you know what what's really what's really going on have you heard <laughs> yeah. have you heard this about usc going to the big 10 yeah report that which i Thank you for saying that the way that you did, because I was just about to bring this up. You just said, report USC going to the Big Ten. All of the conversation here, man, is about USC and how USC is going to fit in and how Lincoln Riley's going to fit in. Now, we obviously have an angle because he used to coach here, but I don't feel like anyone locally or nationally is even mentioning UCLA. It's just like this thought that, oh, yeah, I mean, UCLA is going to be UCLA, and they're probably going to go out there and be average. They haven't won a conference title since 1998. And they were good in 98. They were a game away from playing for a national championship. It's been a long time since UCLA's been any good. There's at least a scenario where USC gets it together and they're competitive, really competitive in the Big Ten. I don't see it for UCLA, man. I don't see it at all. Yeah, I mean, when you started to feel like Chip Kelly was finally getting his legs under him, and because we've seen what he can do, you know, he was great at Oregon, uh, really kind of did a lot for how college football is played today, right? I mean, that that fast style, uh, he was really the one that kicked off all those crazy uniforms and really using that flash and really playing with a ton of speed. I mean, he had track stars all over that team. And, and you would think, because Oregon really wasn't 
I mean, really wasn't much. I mean, sure, they had Joey Heisman, Joey Harrington back in the day, um, and, and, and a couple other players. But the, Chip Kelly turned Oregon into what it was. Obviously, um, Uncle Phil ha- helped with that, with the, with that big Nike checkbook. But there's no reason to believe that that Chip just couldn't get anything done with UCLA. And you started to think, okay, he's – He's kind of putting some things together. They've got a good running game, and you, you saw flashes of it, and they were winning some games. Remember that LSU game? You're like, oh, man, this is kind of out of nowhere. So they're starting to put it together, but then, again, it's it's off to the Big Ten, so you can kiss all hopes of that goodbye. Yeah. Text line, the SEC allegedly said Texas could join, but only if they brought OU along. So I'm wondering if the Big Ten told USC or UCLA the same thing. I haven't heard that Texas, um, the, the SEC told Texas yes, but you have to bring OU along. I mean, I, I guess it makes sense. Uh, did they say that to USC or UCLA? Well, if USC approached them individually, they probably said, well, you need a dance partner, and UCLA is the obvious choice there. So, I, I mean, UCLA could, yeah, I guess they could have gone by themselves, but you always need to make it an even number, I mean, seemingly. Exactly. I mean, there's 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 never been a conference with an odd number of teams. You can't just I, – I have not heard that and allegedly is really doing a lot of, of the heavy lifting in that text because I I have not heard that, you know, Texas was going to join, but they had to, you know, had to bring OU or anything like that. or Like, that just doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, obviously Texas is the big brand, but Oklahoma is a blue blood and – been one the most winning team i mean winningest team of the last what since world war ii i guess probably and you're not gonna look at it and be like you know what if we got to take anybody from the big 12 we just want texas no you it's it's ou in texas they've always been tied whether it's uh, through rivalry or financially or geographically or anything like that so it was an obvious move and i and i don't I, I don't think that that was a stipulation, but but yeah, I think it was, you know, when they reach out to the the the, the schools in the Pac-12 that now we know are USC and UCLA. I kind of wonder if anybody in the Big Ten offices first said, "Hey, let's go after USC and Oregon." Yeah, because why? Because why wouldn't you have asked those two, which are obviously the top two programs, I guess. Just programs entirely. Obviously, USC is coming off an awful stretch. Um, but if you want two brands, wouldn't you go after Oregon and USC? That's what I thought initially. And I asked Parker and Teddy that yesterday. I said, are either of you surprised that it wasn't USC and Oregon? And Because I kind of was, and it didn't seem like either one of those two guys were. But, I mean, you had the L.A. market. I mean, you really secure the L.A. market, bring it in UCLA to the fold. But... They don't have a great football program. They don't have great attendance at football games. I've been to a basketball game at UCLA. I was not all that impressed. I mean, Oregon really brings something to the table financially and competitively. So, yeah, man, I was – I still am a little bit surprised about that. Not that I'm worried about what happens to Oregon, but I'm very interested to see what happens to that program that's played in, what, two national championship games in the past 15 years. I mean, that's, yeah, that's pretty do- significant. I, I do think if we were to, so the OU Texas move. If you were to just take one of those schools, and say, say just for the argument's sake, they took Texas, and then they got to pick. They're like, okay, cool. Now, who are we going for next? Like Oklahoma would still be the obvious choice, right? Like 
they would still be among the top list of best available. Again, if we're doing this kind of as a draft, Oklahoma would still be at the top. Whereas if, if say, Oregon and USC were the two that the Big Ten chose the first time around, where would UCLA rank in your best available? I mean, Very low. Who, who really, I mean, I could probably name, I don't know, 15 schools, 12 schools that would be above UCLA when it comes to conference realignment. Obviously, everybody wants the West Coast eyeballs, um, as Teddy pointed out, and everybody wants that L.A. market. But, I mean, the L.A. market, yeah, they've got a ton of people, but they aren't watching college football very much. That's why everybody's dying for USC to get back to relevancy is so they can actually engage with those fans. So I I don't know where UCLA would rank in the best available rankings uh, if they weren't in if they weren't tied to uh, if they weren't tied to USC I guess the question would be would they be above you would they be above Oklahoma State because you can make the argument you know they're, they're kind of hit not historically obviously UCLA's had incredible you know especially basketball history and things like that but I don't know you'd kind of wonder where that would go Agree. All right, uh, hour number two rolls on next. Keep it locked on the ref. We're the Homeless Suter fans. Friday Rush, Tyler McComas, Travis Davidson. Right here on the ref, we're the Homeless Suter fans. 405-651-3439 is the Air Coverage Solutions text line. Dave Portnoy, uh, founder of Barstool Sports, he tweeted out yesterday, Dear all, actually today, Dear all OU football fans, I will personally see to it that Michigan kicks the blank out of Lincoln Riley for the way he treated you. Your hatred is now my hatred. I will avenge you. As that takes us into the final hour of the rush, more happenings in college football going up next. Uh, we'll keep you updated on everything that's going on. Keep it locked on the ref. We're the homeless Sooner fans.